Jonathan Edwards said, God is the highest good of the reasonable creature, and the enjoyment of him is the only happiness with which our souls can be satisfied. Join Adam Howell, Ryan Hanley, and Caleb Niedemeyer for a conversation about living out deeply rooted affections. This is Oaks of Righteousness Podcast. For our introductory podcast here, as, as both, all three of us are very knowledgeable in podcasting, um, I thought we would start out with introducing who we were, uh, why we decided on the name Oaks of Righteousness, what it means, where it comes from, and uh, what we mean by living out deeply rooted affections, and obviously that will be fleshed out in the upcoming episodes as well. But I want to start with with you, Ryan. Uh, just give us a little bit about uh, who you are, um, how you came to realize affections were something um, that were really important in life, and uh, give us whatever else is important. Okay, so um, I was blessed to grow up in a Christian home. Uh, both my parents uh, were believers when I was very, very young, and I didn't grow up at all not knowing uh, of the church, of the gospel, and I'm very, very grateful for that. Um, I prayed to uh, follow Christ when I was eight years old with my mom and was baptized shortly thereafter, Um, and, and, you know, just grateful to see the Lord's work through my life uh, since then in various ways, um, usually in spite of me, but... um, as far as the affections are concerned, it was kind of interesting. I was thinking about this, and I grew up in a charismatic church. Um, whatever you may think of that, one of the things that was always emphasized was that our our walk with Christ was something that deeply affected us. And, I mean, I had no idea who Jonathan Edwards was other than, you know, knowing that he preached a sermon called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, but... But just going to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, um, there was always this emphasis on it actually affecting us. Uh, you know, they would have said emotionally. Uh, we had a a rock, an actual rock with the word emergency praiser on it <laughs> in our worship service. And Did they just throw that around? Uh, no, it was it was a, a big enough rock that it actually sat on stage so that you could read it. And uh, kind of the joke, but also helpful encouragement was, you know, if we weren't praising God wholeheartedly during the time of worship, that, uh, the rock was going to cry out instead. So, um, I don't, I don't know. That was basically the idea. It was a rolling stone that, that, uh, that went through, but so yeah, that, that was always emphasized and, and I'm grateful for that. Um, you know, I might have some theological differences now, uh, with, with some of those things, but, but the, the push that, um, belief in Christ, that the Christian life is not simply, uh, assent, mental assent of doctrine, but an actual relationship with someone, uh, that has the same kind of ups and downs, even emotionally, if you will, as a, any other kind of relationship. Uh, I just greatly appreciate that. So, um, just to kind of fill in a few more details, my, I'm married, um, my wife, Kathleen and I have been married, um, 10 and a half years now. We have five children, only one of whom is a girl, um, 
God bless her, and uh, she's amazing. So, Adam, hit us up, man. Don't know where to start, really. Um, I guess I could start with conversion. I uh, prayed to receive the Lord as Savior when I was six, um, and um, feel like that the Lord uh, confirmed that uh, confession through the years with just rescuing me and keeping me from many of the pitfalls of teenage life. Um, very thankful for that. Um, I was introduced to uh, the affections when I was in college. Um, maybe not the affections proper, but introduced to Jonathan Edwards. And it's hard to be introduced to Jonathan Edwards and not be introduced to the affections in some way. Um, but uh, began to read, read uh, Edwards and um, then read the religious affections, which um, kind of put, uh, put feet to a lot of what I was feeling with just what is genuine religion um so in other words like how do we how do we live out this confession that we've made um and and what is our motive behind it that was a big thing for me was was motive behind righteousness because just righteousness for the sake of righteousness makes us pharisees but just mere emotionalism without any kind of behavioral aspect is is just mere emotionalism there's nothing there's no evidence of conversion and so with the affections and with the affections religious affections and edwards is trying to point out what is true religion it was really helpful for me to see that a lot of the outward practices of christianity um are really neither here nor there as far as telling what is true religion but in fact it's the affective motive behind it um, and that affection can only be fueled by the Spirit of God. So then our behavior, um, I guess, as, as Christians is ultimately then fueled by the Spirit of God, affecting us to desire to live, to live holy lives. And so those types of thoughts and just the idea of our, um, our joy and God's glory not being at odds and not being mutually exclusive were um, very helpful for me to just understand and see that a, a genuine desire to see God's glory and fame made great can match my deepest satisfaction and joy and desire as well. Um, those things don't have to be at odds. And um, and so then, you know, how do we live righteously? Well, we, we beg God to change our desires and to change our affections and to change what we love and to change what we find deepest joy in. Um, and um, a lot of those kinds of thoughts have just been incredibly helpful for shaping um, even why we pursue what we pursue. And, and for me, um, you know, personally, why am I, why do I pursue to be a godly husband? Why do I pursue to be uh, a godly father? Why do I pursue to be a righteous person, period? And uh, um, ultimately, praise the Lord, it's because he has, has given me that joy and satisfaction in pursuing his greatest glory. And so um, a lot of that is you know wrapped around a lot of circumstances in my college years that we could take a few decades to unwrap, but uh, that's the, the gist of it for me. Um, and uh, so, yeah, hopefully we can flesh out a lot more of that over these uh, various podcasts. Um, like Ryan, I'm feeling a little bit more uh, about my family. Uh, my wife is Liz, and we've been uh, 
married for 11 years. It'll be 12 this summer. We have four kiddos, um, Noah, Tova, Judah, and Nora. So they are a delight for sure. All right, well, I guess uh, I'll share a little bit of my story as well. And then got a couple of other follow-up questions for you guys. But uh, I was raised also in a Christian home and very thankful for that. And heard the Gospels at a very young age, obviously, uh, going to church all the time and made a profession of faith when I was young, probably about six or seven years old. But as I, I got older and was in high school, I, I realized there was something and there was something missing. It was lacking. I was, on the outside, the really good kid. I was the one that everybody would point to and say, you need to be like, be like him because he follows the rules. He does all this stuff. But inside I had doubts. And it was just, it was eating away at me. But I didn't want to confess or say anything about it because I thought everybody would just turn their back on me and it would be you know, off or not. And I, I was living for men rather than for God. And it wasn't until I was in college that uh, God humbled me to the point of true conversion, and that's uh, that's when I was, I was truly saved and born again, and I praise God for that. It's only through His mercy that, that he, he did that. Uh, as far as the affections, I was probably one of the weird kids. Um, in high school, I was reading Marriage to a Difficult Man. I think I realized at that point I was already a difficult man. Um, and and so I was, I was reading that stuff, and... I wanted to, to know about Edwards, and so I, had, I bought a copy of Religious Affections, and I read it, uh, I think, the summer after I graduated from college, and I didn't really understand it too much. I, I knew affections was a good word to, to throw out there. It sounded really <laughs> spiritual and smart-ish, and then uh, it says, I guess, as I went to seminary and more education and had to read it again, and I was like, this this is it. This is where um, what I desire and God's glory come together. This is this is how it, it fleshes out in my life. And then, yeah, just the more I read Edwards, the more I'm like, this guy thought deeply, lived deeply, and loved God with all of his heart and desired to flesh that out in his writing and in his life. And that's what I haven't been married as long as you guys have uh, only four four years and we have uh, one little kiddo and a little girl on the way so we're we're doubling up on, on how many kids we have going from uh, double team to man to man so I'm a little nervous on that but glad I have two guys to to pawn off all my questions on you you will probably survive yeah <laughs> probably the, the, the odds are ever in my favor to, to quote a uh, I don't even know. It's Jonathan name. Edwards' book. Yeah, I, think, I think that's Jonathan Edwards, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, just a, a little follow-up question for you guys. Um, uh, just give us a, a little, a brief breakdown of your academic paths, because I know you guys are both uh, in the one percentile or ninety-nine percentile, whatever, which way, whichever one the smart one is. I don't, I don't even know. <laughs> See, that's where I. That's where I fall. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, give me give us where where you're at, where you've gone. Um, so good. I, I um, I'll start with undergrad because it's quick. I um, did my undergrad at East Tennessee State University in microbiology and chemistry. Um, decided to uh, go to seminary and pursue full time um, teaching ministry. And so from the time I started my MDiv until 
uh, from the time I started my MDiv, I was planning to do a PhD um, and uh, and teach. Um, finished the MDiv in uh, 07 at Southern Seminary, and then just graduated last May, um, May of 15, uh, from Southern with a PhD in Old Testament studies. Um, my uh, MDiv was in Biblical and Theological Studies, so did a whole lot of Greek-Hebrew language, and then just... Uh, big theology uh, studies. I, I don't know how else to describe them, but um, not a lot of practical type stuff, but uh, yeah. And then theology is not practical, stuff. Adam. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, yeah, I know. I don't know why I'm here, really. <laughs> Ryan? Okay, so um, I did my undergrad at College of the Ozarks in Point Lookout, Missouri. Uh, find it on a map, if you can. That sounds like a sweet school, though. Ozarks. Um, it, it was a pretty cool school. Um, I, I did my Bachelor of Science in Aviation Science um, and then did an uh, emphasis in philosophy and religion. Um, the philosophy and religion came in towards the end of that when I realized I didn't want to spend the rest of my life working on planes. Um, so, you know, finished the major, though. I'm already halfway, you know, three-fourths of the way done with it and uh, look, looking at seminary. And I had some very uh, influential men at that time who were um, teaching me about godly ministry and discipleship, what that looks like, and then also just the joy that comes from ministry and teaching, uh, even in a vocational sense. So I, I was I was thinking very strongly PhD studies when I went to seminary as well. Um, so Kathleen and I married in uh, July of '05. Uh, found out we were pregnant, like. A month after we got married, and uh, not in July and a half of <laughs> yeah. July. so you know, sweating the details there. Like, no, really, <laughs> look at the day he was born. Look at his date of birth, um, and and welcomed our first son nine months later. And three months after that, moved uh, to Louisville, Kentucky, and started the Master of Divinity there. Um, I did mine in Christian ministry. Uh, all that theology stuff was over my head anyway, so I probably. Probably would have been better served doing more uh, on the Greek side. I did quite a bit in Old Testament and Hebrew and then um, ended up deciding to pursue a Ph.D. in Old Testament study. So at this point, I'm trying to write a dissertation. And as of the recording of this podcast, uh, the future is unknown as to whether that will be done. (laughs) May it be so. That's great. That's great. And uh, my educational background is nowhere near... As exciting as these guys, but uh, I went did my undergrad at Northland International University, uh, which is no longer in existence. So you can you can look you can look that one up too. <laughs> uh, and then I did an MA in theology at Central Baptist Theological Seminary in Minneapolis, and then uh, came here in oh man fourteen. I think it was 14, maybe 15, to finish up my Master of Divinity, and I'm doing it in Christian Christian ministry or, yeah, Christian ministries. So, I think that's what they still call it. Yeah, <laughs> Christian ministries. Obviously, I care a lot about what it's called. Um, so I think it's actually really interesting because, Adam, what, what type of church did you grow up in? Um, yeah, I grew up in a, uh, actually in a Christian church, like, uh, I guess. Like not Buddhist? Or... <laughs> yeah, no, no, really Westside Christian Church, and uh, so uh, very much like Southeast Christian Church or Northside Christian Church, it's a uh, Disciples of Christ uh, type of model. Um, so, yeah. Okay, and like, 
Ryan was in a charismatic church, and I grew up in more of an independent, fundamental, baptistic church. So I think it'll be really interesting just to hear how all of those perspectives and things collide um, in coming at the affections and, and whatnot. So I'm excited about that. Um, okay, so let's talk about uh, Oaks of Righteousness. Perhaps some of our listeners aren't super familiar with Isaiah 61 and why we chose why we chose that instead of, say, uh, I know, Ryan, you threw out this name. And I, I think it's fantastic because it's the only Hebrew word I know, but, <laughs> but it, it's poots. That's the, only, that's the only Hebrew word I know because I haven't taken any Hebrew. So I'm going to ace that on all my Hebrew exams and tests. That's just that's what Sweet. it would be. Sweet. And for our listeners... Until about your fifth semester. <laughs> that's right. You may never see it, but <laughs> when you do, that's it. <laughs> well, and for our listeners, uh, tell us what it actually means, because I, I don't even. Uh, it just means to like spread out or disperse. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, at this moment, I can't remember why I even threw it out there, other than it sounded funny. So. I think you were thinking to disperse knowledge about the affections. Sure. There you go. That sounds yeah, good. That good, good, god, godly, and holy way down. to say that. <laughs> But, uh, Adam, hit us up with um, some Isaiah 61, and Ryan, uh, if you want to interact with him, you guys are uh, are good on, on doing that. Oaks of Righteousness, what it means, and, and why we kind of chose that as the theme. Okay, yeah, I'll give it a go here. I um, I actually have a lot written down, but I'll just try to give you the, the high points here, but um, in in Isaiah 61, 3, um, you just, you, we've just come off of the um, passage that most people are familiar with from Isaiah 61, the passage that Jesus reads in the synagogue, the Spirit of the Lord is, is uh, Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, um, sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. We usually stop right there because that's what Jesus said had been fulfilled um, right there when he read it um, in Luke 4. And so if you go on into verse 3, you get again this idea of to grant to those who mourn in Zion. So you get this idea of mourning again and almost like he's explaining what the comfort is to those who mourn. And it is to, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. All of those, when we kind of initially looked at this passage, I think have to do with internal affections. Um, the, the headdress is, it could be a literal headdress, but it's related to the word later in the verse um, that the Lord may be glorified. It's a related word, and so it doesn't necessarily have to be a literal headdress, but the next two, the oil of gladness, is parallel to mourning. So I'm not sure that the there's a literal oil in mind, but there's this spectrum of gladness and mourning and then the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. Again, I don't know that there's necessarily a literal garment here that's in mind, but you've got these comparisons of joyous affections and then legitimate uh, mourning affections, so to speak. Um, and these uh, replacements, I guess you would say, uh, the headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, I feel like we get the ground 
um, or the reason that those replacements have happened um, in in the the last part of verse 3. And and here is that reason. So that they may be called oaks of righteousness. And uh, this work is the planting of the Lord so that the Lord may be glorified. And so as we were looking at this passage, it just seemed incredibly fitting, and especially with my idea of the affections and how they motivate righteousness, that the, uh, the affections ground both our security in Christ and our behavior as members of God's kingdom. And so we are secure oaks. There were large, massive trees that are fueled by the food of the Spirit of God. But we aren't just stationary mental blocks. We indeed live and act out righteousness because of the affections. Um, and so in this kingdom that Jesus comes and says, the, the kingdom that Jesus brings and says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and has anointed me, and there is a kingdom that's now here. You, This has been fulfilled. That kingdom is full of affections that motivate righteousness and provide security uh, for us in his kingdom. And then, of course, the, the last phrase there, the planting of the Lord, I think that it, it brings it back. You know, lest we think our security is our own work or our righteousness is our own work, that last phrase brings it back that this is the planting of the Lord. This this is a work of the Lord. The affections are a work of the Lord. The, the, the emotional motives that by which we live out Christianity are a work of the Lord. And the goal is that he would be glorified or beautified or made lovely, so to speak, um, not only in our lives, but in the lives uh, of the world that, that sees how we live in Christ's kingdom. And so the fact that the verse had to do with security, God's work, affective motivation, righteousness, and all of that culminating in God's glory, man, it just seemed like a, an incredibly fitting title, I think. Yeah, so... On a very practical level, and I'll, I'll get a little more uh, spiritual here in a second, but, you know, we were talking about this as deeply rooted affections. We wanted to talk about affections. These are, you know, more than just mere emotions. They're more than just mere feelings that we have, but these are things that, like, essentially are the very outcry of our souls. Um, they're things that, that are deeply embedded within us, and the outward manifestation of those things gives perspective or, or gives light, shines light into who we are as believers in Christ. And um, so even just the concept, deeply rooted affections, when you can come up with a phrase like oaks of righteousness, uh, I think Adam's the one that threw that one out there. And so then your mind immediately snaps to Isaiah 61. And then it's just like, what a beautiful picture, a tree this is an oak tree, so this isn't like a little tiny scrub that comes up. This is a, a tree with deep, full roots. It grows into a very large, strong, uh, very huge tree. I mean, Adam's got oaks around his house that are probably 100 feet high um, yep. and drop billions of acorns. That's going to uh, be a lot of fun to clean up. <laughs> which, I mean, really, like that, you just keep pressing the metaphor. I mean, these acorns are dropping all over the place to the point you can't even avoid them. You're stepping on them. They're crunching under your feet. And uh, that's what oak trees do. And so you have these deeply rooted affections like an oak tree. They are bearing fruit. And, you know, the beautiful part of that is, you know, we're not just oak trees. 
Uh, we're not just plants, but we're oaks of righteousness. Um, and then, you know, the parallel there, the, the planting of the Lord, the planting of Yahweh. This is, this is God's tree. This is God's fruit. This is what he created man to be and to bear the fruit of righteousness, to bear the fruit of life and uh, just goodness of who God is, his character, um, the kind of kingdom that he has created. Um, so, you know, that it's a neat metaphor because you've got deep roots and, hey, cool, it's a tree. But, um, you know, when you keep pressing that and you think of the context of this passage, um, that's what the affections do. That's what they're for. It's not just so we have great emotional experiences, but our lives look like what we are affected by, you know, particularly Mm -hmm. whom we are affected by. And, um, you know, we, we get this, this righteous picture and, and it just, it bears fruit in our lives. So, uh, I kind of want to bring up something. Both of you guys brought up the idea of beauty and, uh, joy in, in your, uh, discussion here of this passage and I kind of wanted to to depress it a little bit because oftentimes when somebody says Jonathan Edwards to the probably the common uh, person in the pew today they're not thinking joy or beauty they're thinking strict serious boring and and is is that kind of I, I don't know I don't know how to go against that grain but how do you describe like beauty as being not boring. I, I don't know if that, that question makes sense, but it's like when we read this passage, we're excited about it. We, we get this idea of, oh, this is great. And it's the affections. And somebody hears that word, they're like, oh, that sounds serious and I have to be all somber. But there's a joy in that. So I don't know, interact with, with that. So, so you have, <clears throat> excuse me, you have deep roots. Roots take time to grow. And we might hear something, I mean, what we know of Jonathan Edwards typically is sinners in the hands of an angry God, right? So you've got this kind of hell and hellfire and brimstone type of preaching. So to address the Jonathan Edwards question, um, you know, that's one part of the man. And, and I would argue, too, because of deeply rooted, rooted affections, his understanding of judgment, his understanding of hell compelled him to preach a yeah. sermon like that. You know, he he wasn't trying to scare people into hell. He was trying to picture the reality of sin, the reality of sin against God and the reality of judgment for those who sin. And sometimes we don't get it unless we are deeply affected by that. And so, you know, that's one part of of Edward's picture, I think. I mean, obviously, I didn't know the man. um, But, you know, if you did, I would imagine that that you would know he's more than than one sermon. But... Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if a you're, lot more than one. Story. Yeah, <laughs> quite a bit. <laughs> so, what, you know, again, then when you look at a passage like Isaiah 61, affections take time and trees, trees don't spring up overnight. Trees with deep roots don't spring up overnight. But when the roots are deep, um, they have a, a deep well to draw from. And the more you study, the more you know, the more you know of Christ, um, the more beautiful he becomes. If, if you're married, you know 10 years into a marriage is very different than five years into a marriage is very different than one year into a marriage. Um, you're cultivating a relationship and, and the beauty of, of your spouse doesn't wane as you spend your life with them. It grows deeper and deeper and deeper. So you can't even imagine 
anything more beautiful. You can't imagine beauty apart from this person that's gotten up with your children through the night and nursed sick children and laughed with you and cried with you and argued with you and everything else. And, and you just you start to see that that fully orbed picture of who that person is, and I, I think the same is with with Christ. The same is with our relationship with God. And you know, an, an oak of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, is someone who has deep roots that are going deeper all the time. I think I think Edwards probably had a a better view of what is beautiful too than than we do today. Like a, absolutely, and I say better. Like I guess we think of beautiful and we think of most people in America, I think, would probably think of a, a supermodel or a magazine cover or something just super flippant and silly like that. But um, someone who does CrossFit, man, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I actually could re- I could relate that one correctly, but uh, <laughs> Adam Adam does CrossFit for those of you who <laughs> I, don't know. I, I try. Um, I think that. The one thing that when you asked this question initially that came to my mind was how Edwards used to intentionally walk into the woods during a thunderstorm um, for the very purpose of experiencing the power of God as a beautiful thing. And, um, and I think that's similar to what Ryan was getting at with Edwards' view of God's judgment in Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Again, the, the default on that sermon is to think of Edwards as this curmudgeon that um, again, is just trying to scare people into heaven with the horrors of hell. But there, as as backwards as it seems to uh, the modern mind, there is something incredibly beautiful about the justice of God. Mm. And um, so, I, I think that when we talk about beauty, especially as it relates to God, where we can sit back with Paul and just exclaim, "Oh, the depths of the riches, of the wisdom and knowledge of God!" Like we. We can't really fathom the depths of the beauty of God. We uh, there, there's just a different definition, I think, of, of beauty that was coming from Edwards, and um, some things that may seem incredibly disgusting is not the right word, but troublesome to us when put in a theological perspective with God, who is perfect and holy and righteous. Those things become beautiful as well, and so. You know, I think part of our affectionate prayer life can also be for the Lord to give us a true biblical picture of who He is and what is good and beautiful and true, and let those things all intermingle. So, to kind of tagging on that, I, in, in reading the Word and, and getting back to what I was saying um, about it, it taking time, I think when you start to realize the, the role of affections in the Christian life, when you read a passage like Isaiah 61 that you know, as you look at it, you can look at it from a, you know, kind of a critical eye and say this is was designed to elicit hope for a future deliverance for Israel. So to some degree, if I'm reading this and even being able to put myself in the shoes of the original reader, if I'm, if I'm not sparked in some way, that tells me my affections aren't where they ought to be. And so I, I think, you know, or you think of passages that talk about, you know, rejoicing or, you know, being de- delighting yourself in the Lord. Um, if those things aren't naturally there, um, you don't look at it and say, well, I guess God's not delightful or we shouldn't, you know, there's nothing to rejoice about. Um, the problem's with me. You know, the problem is my affections aren't working properly. And I mean, that's one of the beautiful things of the work of the spirit in God's redemption is that he begins to make our hearts beat like they were meant to beat. Um, you know, metaphorically speaking, of course, that, 
um, we begin to delight in the things God delights in. We begin to delight and desire the things that are truly beautiful. Or the flip side of that, we detest and are, we despise the things that are, that are truly abhorrent. I, I found this really helpful in Edwards. Is I think they call it his chain of being. In that Edwards believed everything gets its being what it is from God who is the ultimate being. He is the only one who has being in and of himself. And so as we are rightly related to God, we will begin to be who we truly are supposed to be. And so I think the affections as they grow and as we are deepened, even in even in marriage, Ryan, to piggyback a little bit on that, our marriage should grow and become more of what it ought to be from, from one year to five to 10 to 15 to 20 as long as the Lord gives. And so as we begin to see God for who he is, we, we see that there is ultimate beauty in him, and then there is beauty in what he has created, and it gives us delight in that. Yeah, I, um, I, I mentioned a minute ago that, that the word in Isaiah 61, 3, for a beautiful headdress, is the same word that's used at the end of the, at the, end of the verse, that he may be glorified or that he may be beautified. And... Earlier in the verse, the headdress is granted to those who mourn in Zion, or, or us, so to speak. And you could take out the idea of a headdress there, and you could say to give them beauty instead of ashes. And this, is, and then skip a little bit, the, this is the planting of the Lord, the Lord giving them beauty instead of ashes. The work of the Lord may be made beautiful. And so, like you just said, there is there is a sense in which we begin to reflect God's very beauty because we love what He loves, and we begin to hate what He hates. And it takes time. Yeah, yeah I think you guys have you've put that well. It's good for you guys. I, and this is something I thought of this morning. Does and and obviously I'm just shooting from the hip here, so you guys can defer and, and punt it away and say no or I'm not answering, no comment. So that's, that's fine. I was just thinking about... No comment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I defer. The the idea of the Lord planting a tree and it growing up into oaks of righteousness. I was reading Psalm 1 this morning. You know, the blessed man is like a tree planted by living waters that brings forth its fruit in its season. Uh, is, there any, is there any correlation? So, like, in other words, as Isaiah is writing this... Are the people of Israel going to look at it and go, oh, yeah, I remember Psalm 1, the idea of trees. I think Isaiah has a lot of trees. I mean, uh, Isaiah 11 talks about the shoot of Jesse coming up. Uh, he's going to cut down all the proud trees, that type of idea. But I, I was thinking specifically of Psalm 1 and the idea of the blessed man is one who is like a tree. And so here we have the Lord plants the tree. I, I don't know. You guys can interact with that. I, I'm going to take this one first so that Ryan can't steal my thunder. <laughs> <laughs> just, just want to be careful, Adam. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I really don't have any thunder, but the, the one thing that came to my mind here is that if, if there is a connection between Psalm 1 and, and Isaiah 61, I, uh, I, don't, I don't know that there has to necessarily be a historical connection for there to be a spirit-led connection here. And, and the thing that came to my mind is that the one who is like a tree in Psalm 1 meditates and delights in the law of the Lord. Yeah. And yeah. if you're going to understand affections rightly 
if you're going to understand the God who gives affections rightly, if you're going to understand what righteousness is required of an oak, then you're going to, you must find that information in the law of the Lord, namely the Bible, right? We're going to expand out the law of the Lord there a little bit. Um, but that's just my, that's my initial thought there related to Psalm 1, that even if that's not a, even if Israel would not have thought Psalm 1 when they heard Isaiah 61, and they may have, but even if they didn't, I think that's a fair conclusion that we can draw that uh, if we are going to be like that tree, if we are going to be oaks of righteousness, it will require um, a delight in the word of the Lord. Yeah, I, I don't have anything to add to that. <laughs> Stole all the thunder is gone. I think that'll do it for this introductory. I hope everybody, uh, if you're listening to this, you'll stick around. It's it's going to be a lot like what you've just heard, just a little conversation here. We'll have a different topic each time, and we'll hear Adam and Ryan interact. I'll probably just throw in a couple of questions here and there for them to to get started. But it's it's good just to interact with ideas that maybe we're not super comfortable with, but I think are, are spiritually beneficial and will benefit us as we live in our day-to-day life. That'll do it for us this time on Oaks of Righteousness. Hope you'll join us next time for another conversation about living out deeply rooted affections. Until then, you can follow us on Twitter at RightOaksPod. Leave us a rating on iTunes. Give us some feedback. And until next time, remember, there's ultimate joy to be pursued, and that joy is Jesus Christ. Pursue Him.